Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Today's podcast session is a recording of my Instagram Live with Lucy Haslam, founder of Children's Wear Retailer Acorn & Pip, as they celebrate five years in business. With a bricks and mortar location in Slathwaite, West Yorkshire, and online presence at www.acornandpip.com, Lucy talks about initially operating from a market stall in Manchester while she was a teacher, to going all in on Acorn & Pip and introducing Acorn & Pip Loves, a marketplace for children's wear brands, which launched in 2020. We talk about how the brand has evolved and Lucy gives great insight into the steps she took to create the brand that Acorn and Pip is today, from finding the right brands, hiring a team and how important email marketing is for the growth of the company. Thanks for joining me today. Um, it's the first, the first one of the entrepreneur series that I'm going to be doing and it's really just to um, find out about your journey, uh, how you started, what made you start. And um, I'll just introduce you to those that are just joining as well. So this is Lucy Haslam from Acorn and Pip. And Acorn and Pip, if you haven't um, been on the website or visited their store, it's a beautiful lifestyle store, uh, children's wear, um, children's wear store based in West Yorkshire, that is also uh, online. And you have um, Acorn and Pip's Loves, the marketplace that just launched a couple of months ago. When did you launch yeah. that, Lucy? Uh, beginning of December. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so lockdown hasn't stopped you from being busy. <laughs> no, it hasn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, I suppose just really over to you in terms of if you can uh, share a bit about your background before you started um, Acorn and Pip and then what led you to, to start it. So I was actually a teacher. I was a secondary school teacher um, and I went on maternity leave. I found a sort of passion whilst I was on maternity leave for well I suppose I just created a project for myself um which was Acorn Pip um and I had no expectations you know what it was going to be how big it would get um and I actually started out in a market stall um whilst I was on maternity leave Mm -hmm. um literally just buying small amount of toys and selling them and I just loved it. I loved it so much. And I did want to go back into teaching because I did also love teaching. Um, <laughs> but the option for flexible working just wasn't, it, it wasn't an option. It was thrown straight out as soon as I asked. So um, I just kind of thought, right, well, I can't do this. I can't do teaching full time. And anyone who is a teacher or you know knows a teacher, it's more than full time. Um, and have a child and kind of carry on with this thing that that I had fallen madly in love with. Um, and so I kind of thought, right, well, maybe I just give this a go and see how see how we get on. And um, and so I did. And I kind of sometimes I like I can kind of make it sound a little bit mm, kind of frivolous. Um, you know, I just tried it. But it was a lot. I mean, 
yeah, it was a lot of work and it was a lot of thinking about how is this a serious choice that I'm going to make because I'd been in teaching about eight years, eight, eight or ten years. So it was like, you know, I was a dedicated teacher and then this was a huge change. So. And did you try and manage both at the same time or did you? Yes. Right. Okay. And how long did yeah. you continue that for? About two years. So okay, for two okay. years, um, because, you know, like any new business, it's never just going to go from like naught to 100 straight away, especially if you're like doing it on your own and you have no experience whatsoever and you have a young family. And, you know, I was just kind of juggling it all. So I did. I was um part time teacher for maybe six months and then I hated it I hated it and then I went on to exam marking because it was far more flexible and then when we moved over to West Yorkshire and I found the shop that's when I just knew it was like right I can't do all these things yeah. um so that just then became like I was never gonna carry on in the education route and then um yeah then the shop opened and the rest is and when was that what year was that then lucy 2018 right okay so yeah. you were two years so the shop opened in 2018 so from 2016 mm -hmm. to 2018 you were kind of doing it as a side hustle across with teaching and but then it became yeah. bigger and it became bigger and took over you were able to do it on its own then and what was yeah. that what was that feeling like when you decided to walk away from the security blanket of teaching <laughs> to go for what had become a passion I think with most things that I tend to do I I kind of I am quite blinkered so I will just go for it and I don't often think about it perhaps until like moments like this where I think oh gosh I actually did leave teaching or there must have been a moment where this became my full-time job but I think it just naturally just took over and it could financially too I mean, we have a mortgage to pay, we have kids. Um, so it was never just, I couldn't ever just walk away without it being a viable option. Um, and was it, you was, had two children at that time, did you? Was that your second? I had, yeah, I had two children. I opened the shop when Ted was six months old and then now we've got Jesse as well. So there's, there's a lot of us. Yeah, nice to manage everything on with three children. And um, when, so when you started then, was there any point that you said, that's it now I'm going to do focus on this solely was there any kind mm -hmm. of turning point or that you just said right I've had enough you know what was the the reason that made you really go for it 100% was it you could see it financially that it was paying yeah. off or I think there's a few things I think firstly it's definitely where my passion was it was what I thought about all the time and I knew it was what I wanted you know I could see I'd planned out the dream I knew what I wanted Acorn and Pip to become and so I'd really worked on that and I needed this, I needed the security of a full or part-time job on the side. Um, so when I decided to leave that, then I was like, right now it's really time to like, to go for it. Um, and so I had a very clear plan, what we wanted, what we wanted the shop to be, what we wanted the cafe part of the shop, because in our shop we have um, cafe, you know, what our staffing plan would hopefully look like. Um, and so we and really had to thought about it. And how did you, from someone who hasn't a background in retail, how did you make those decisions? A lot of gut, mm -hmm. a lot of gut work. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I read a lot and I do my research, um, but ultimately, yeah, I, I've just trusted my head and my heart, I suppose. Um, so when we found the unit of the unit, the shop that we're in, 
um, it wasn't right. You know, it was mm -hmm. huge and it needed so much work and it had been closed for maybe two years and it just wasn't right. And then, but then there was something in me that was like, no, this is perfect as well. You know, yeah. it is too big and it's, it, this is the start of something. And you know, if we open this shop, this is the start of something. And that my head and my heart were just saying, you've got to do this. This is it. This is it. Um, and then my family was saying, oh, maybe you should think about this some more. You have no idea how to run a shop. Yeah. You, you know, but I kind of, put all that aside because I'd done my research and I wanted it so much um, and that's where I could see Acorn and Pip going so and what those that beginning time when you first took on the shop and when you first you know really started out at full time what were the the most difficult times or the hardest things to do or you know what did you struggle with I suppose at that point at the beginning um I struggled personally as an, a mum um <laughs> so I Eden, my eldest, so she would have been three at the time, she went to nursery, but Ted was a newborn. He was like yeah. six months old and he was, I used to wear him in a sling whilst I was making people coffee, which I have never made before. And I was working from, my husband was working away. Oh, um, he used to work across the Northwest, so he actually wasn't even here. And we'd moved to a new area and I was working, I was getting into the shop at eight. I was leaving at six to pick up Eden. And I look back now and I just think, oh my, what, like, that was really hard. And I do remember it being very, very tough. Um, so from, from that side, it was difficult. And then there was other times where I would, we, we just didn't have people in the shop. We didn't, you know, we were new, we, we didn't have an advertising budget. So we just had to use social media as our platform to kind of say, you know, we are here, we are here. And sometimes in the afternoon, we would have no one in and I would think, oh dear, I think I might have got this a bit wrong. Um, but it is those moments of thinking, okay, this can go two ways because it, it can for anyone. Um, we need a plan. And I think that's the one thing which I'm really passionate about is planning and planning your way out of situations um kind of a bit like what's happened with covid and yeah you know we've we have spent this entire year planning planning what on earth we're going to do week from week to week um and it saw us through because it is in those times where you just think okay what's going on here so then you put you know you you really kind of get all your thoughts in line and start thinking right we need an action plan how are we going to do this and I think that from those points that have become what I would have seen as like our weak points have now become our strongest points so we were always quiet over lunchtime so we turned that into opening our cafe for food and yeah. then we were just you know over the course of like however long we were open pre-covid it was our busiest busiest time and people couldn't get a table um right. So it's kind of, yeah, looking at situations that you're in that perhaps you think, I really want this to turn around, I want this to look different. And it's those those kind of scenarios that you can really put your thinking cap on and work on. And is, you, is your partner involved in the business? Do you do its partnership or do you run it mainly or how, how does it work? Yeah, so he didn't used to work for me all that together. And then, um, and then he did. So we were at a point where the business was growing really, really fast and like, I just couldn't keep up. And um, Tim works, he worked in hospitality. He worked for the Ivy across the Northwest. So mm -hmm. he was perfectly placed to come and drive the cafe forward. Um, 
and so he joined maybe I think it was two years ago um so he he's like the operations um person and then I'm kind of everything else and when you started so did you have the online site as soon as you had the uh, bricks and mortar or did the bricks and mortar come first or did you launch everything together I launched the website first, but I used to do the market still in Altrincham yeah. in South Manchester, which was kind of a real good um, pairing. So we were meeting our customer two or three times a week. We had the online store as well. So then when we moved over, we kind of kept hold of our customer that we had there, moved them across, you know, online. Um, so yeah we've always had the online and then the bricks and mortar is kind of an extension of the market still so and you said when you started that you didn't have an advertising budget and that um you depended mostly on social media did you have a strategy for the social for social media and what what worked for you when you were starting out what were the kind of things that worked best for you and brought people to the to the to the website and to the store I think it was just kind of showing the truth behind the brand um, and showing who who I was, um, how I ran. the, And I would always say at the time, like the business, because it was always just me packing up toys from our spare room. That was like our storage, my storage room, putting them into crates and then taking them to market, essentially. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of showing that and then showing them the market store, then showing the evolution of the market store to an actual shop. And it's kind of the people that I know there's so many followers I have on my social media accounts that have been with me right from the start. And then mm -hmm. seeing kind of where we've ended up is kind of a bit of a, like a high five all round, like look what we've done, it's, you know. So it's kind of showing that authenticity. I hope, you know, they, I mean, it comes from me. I don't, I run my social media myself, so. No, it does, it's a lovely website. The, the store looks amazing as well. And so you have, um, when you talked about planning and future planning, how far in advance are you planning at the moment? We do. We well. We have a very solid five-year plan. Um, so it's actually our fifth year, five-year birthday, business birthday. It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Um, like next week. <laughs> so right. whatever that means. But we are five. Congratulations! Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So we made it. And um, so we having a five-year plan for me is really important because five, my my old five-year plan was definitely to have a shop and a cafe. Um, and so now, like the five-year plan. We, we try to you know we're trying to stick to it and we're trying to eat away at it every kind of month so that we edge closer to where we want to be um but then i mean i you know i have my my year plan my quarter plan yeah so, so you break it down into smaller chunks then yeah. as well yeah. yeah and um what would be in terms of when you first started out and a lot of some clients ask me from the finances side of things did you have a budget that you were going to work to or were there I mean when you look on your website now you've got 39 brands which is a great number of brands how did you start out and how did you um so quantify what the demand was going to be or you know decide right this is the amount I'm going to spend what was again was it gut or you know if you can talk through a little bit about that process at the beginning and how you grew from maybe yeah. however many brands to now 39 that are on your website so I think um I mean at the start I literally spent my first order with my toy brand was about 250 quid and I took all of them to market and I sold all of them 
and I went home and I bought 500 quid. And that's kind of how I started. Because I was like, yeah. oh, this is easy. I've seen them do this on The Apprentice. They literally buy it. Why is this? This isn't hard, however. Um, and then obviously, as I started to go to trade shows and stuff like that, and then started wanting to increase the, you know, the amount of stock we were um, selling. So then it was starting to look into, okay, so people like this, they might like this, how much do we spend on this? And, you know, and then it started getting into spreadsheet territory. Um, so, so it's funny you say we have that many brands online and then in store, we have a completely, we do have a crossover of brands, but we have many, many more brands in our shop right. um, because our customer, um, our local customer or uh, in-person customer is very different um, and likes different things. So we have many more brands in, in store, but it's knowing your data and knowing what your customer likes. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> kind of to answer your question, I just taught it all myself. So I probably do loads of it wrong, um, but it does work for us mm -hmm. uh, or at least for the time being. So at the, at the start, I just... I just tested, I tested what people liked and asked them questions. And that's yeah. the beauty of it not all being online because um, it's very hard, isn't it, to ask your customer, so what do you think of what I've got when you can't actually talk to them? Um, so, yeah, I yeah. think get that face-to-face -face interaction. I mean, obviously you can use social media, you can use surveys, but mm -hmm. being able to ask them a question and then a follow-up question and just to listen into those conversations that people mm. are having, you know, when or they're watching the where they go and what they pick up, you know, like you, you learn so much just from watching people. They might like smell a candle and immediately put it down. You think, oh, that didn't grab them. But, or, <laughs> yeah. or, or they'll smell a candle and they'll kind of like, you know, they'll race to the, the, the cash desk and like pay. So watching people's behavior is fascinating. Um, and it, oh, it's such good market research as well. And um, when you were starting out, is there anything, when you look back on it now, is there anything that you wish that you had done differently or that you um, you had wish you'd done more of? I probably wish I took it more seriously at the start. Um, I probably wasted a lot of money and um, a lot of time by just um, thinking I could just do it all myself and, nice. you know, making mistakes along the way. So when I first started doing um, paid advertising, oh God, I must have wasted so much money uh, just trying to do it all myself um, yeah. I just didn't realize that there were communities out there where you can learn from each other in a non you know in a kind of a safe space mm -hmm. um, and to, like building a community of other like-minded business owners as well um, or just being a part of one um, one thing I had at the market was other market traders yeah and you know you just bounce ideas around chit chat about business and that's when I started learning when I started listening to what other people were saying um so I kind of yeah I wish I'd spent a little bit more time maybe listening at the start and taking it possibly more seriously but that was just a combination of just not really knowing where the business was going to go um, and what kind of legs it had. Um, but as soon as I started taking it seriously, I probably saved myself a lot of money. I think as well, when, you're, when your focus is split between, because you're doing it on, on the market, the side, on the side, you're still then mm -hmm. teaching and you're raising, you know, two children and mm -hmm. have a family, you know, you have a family. There's a lot of, lot of different demands on your headspace you know and mm -hmm. trying to whereas when you can when you decide yet yeah, you're actually going to go for it you I think you get into a different frame of mind and you're mm -hmm. you know you shift your focus as well and it's mm -hmm. like right okay 
I now need, I now really need to make this work. So what am I going, you know? And I think as well, like so many, there's like you say, in terms of groups and collaborations, there's so much more, there's so much available that you can either join for a minimum fee or that you can free advice and free webinars and free masterclasses that you can, mm -hmm. that you can join and listen into as well. And yeah. um, on the, are there, what would be that you say the, the three things, someone who is setting up a business now mm -hmm. and three things that you would say for them to focus on? Um, three things is most certainly your USP. Um, for sure. I see such lovely brands starting up um, and the ones that stick in your head as a consumer are the ones that have that USP that is just like, you know, memorable. Um, and kind of on that line is that uh, in my coaching course, lots of people say, oh, but there's so, so many of me, you know, yeah. um, starting up at the moment. Like, how do I... How do I be, how am I seen? And I think the, there's an idea around kind of not being, um, not being better than your competitors, but, but being different. Um, and I think now that's kind of a really important thing to think about in your business. Like how, how am I different to everyone else? Um, that doesn't mean, you know, you have to reinvent the wheel, which is always oh, good, but you know, you don't have to, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but just how are you different? Um, so I think putting a lot of focus on that is really important um the next thing is looking at your sales funnel um which is just so so important so in you know understanding where your customers are coming from how are you going to get them firstly um where they're coming from and how do you keep them um yeah. so yeah looking at your sales funnel um and then understanding um, email marketing would be my my top tip i love email marketing um and i think it's really underrated and i th do often see small businesses um cowering away from email marketing but it has such huge power within your business to generate sales reiterate your brand message um and kind of be memorable in your your customers minds so they're kind of my three things that I would say one should focus on I think as well when you go to email marketing it's one of those things that some people don't realize the what it can generate and mm. you know the the power behind it because they then they might not be doing the analysis on the conversion and yeah. I think that sometimes that people with the data and the analysis some product people might not be very numbers, you know, might not be that focused on the numbers, but you, if you want to continue with the product and be able to continue with the business is making mm -hmm. sure that you know your numbers and yeah. you know that they, that they work and that they, mm -hmm. um, you know, so that you continue, you know, you can continue with the business. And mm -hmm. um, in terms of, so your next five-year plan, is there mm -hmm. anything that, is there anything from this five-year plan that you, didn't get to achieve or that wasn't even on your five-year plan and you did it and you managed to do it? Mm -hmm. Baby number three. <laughs> <laughs> but here he is. <laughs> um, yeah, so we did think we'd have baby number three, but um, no, I mean, we, we had, we got the shop much, much sooner um, than we ever anticipated. That was going to be like, that was like the five-year plan. Um, so there was nothing on the list we didn't achieve, um, but that has definitely told me that it's time to kind of start dreaming a bit bigger, yeah. um, which is fun. Um, I'm not going to say what's on my five-year plan just yet, um, but yeah, I think 
stuff that I remember standing on holiday and it was just as we'd over, I'd launched Acorn and Pip and I was on holiday with my husband and then I think she was about one and we were just saying oh what what you know what are our dreams you know holiday talk and I said I really want a shop with a cafe and I can just imagine it like really busy and just amazing customers and I think because I saw it so clearly that's what's enabled me to go after it so kind of passionately I think because I really I really understood what I was trying to achieve so it happened a lot sooner um and that's fine because you know just because it's a five-year plan doesn't mean anything and yeah. then I can I kind of feel cheated because Covid definitely took a year away from us all didn't it so I know and it's so and I mean obviously it's fantastic that your business has survived and thrived and I know I've seen on your stories you're getting the shop ready and for April 12th a bit like fanfare <laughs> when it opens and um, like trombone players outside the door there um, don't tempt me I will do that <laughs> <laughs> and how how are you preparing for that are you doing more email marketing how are you kind of mm. what are the things that you're doing to um to get people excited again and how you know to bring them back to the store so we yeah so i use email marketing as in um like i segment out all my lists so like all my local customers get a completely different message to our customers that are different in a different location um so we are doing all of our kind of um all of our excited email market you know marketing you know, we're opening to but then also we have to, we've got to wait and see what um the covid rules are which is so boring but we have to know exactly what we're allowed to do we um don't know you know last time when we reopened we had this whole kind of acute uh, health and safety assessment from the government that we had to fill out but they haven't given up this this time around so we don't know if there's like a legal requirement for um people how many people in the shop and all that kind of stuff so we're just holding out on the the finer details because we also because we have the cafe we can do takeaway coffee but we're not sure if we can have people sitting outside our coffee shop which because we have little tables out there as well so we're just waiting for the kind of the finer details um but because it's spring summer and it's the start of this kind of it's the start of the season for interiors our warehouse is like full to the brim with the most beautiful collections and um i just can't wait to get them in the shop so we've got a few new kind of uh, visual merchandising things going in um mid next week and all the new collections going in next week and it will just be so nice we redid the windows at the weekend um or yesterday and just giving it yeah a lot of love we've got to buy loads of new plants because they all died during covid <laughs> Oh, you mentioned there about your, your warehouse how soon into um did you how soon when you had the store did you use a warehouse so what was your process there we that was a that was um a covid demand essentially we got so busy um that when we reopened the shop so we used to run everything out of the shop because everything was just complemented each other so our shop staff would pack our orders mm -hmm. and it was just a real circular process then when um we were looking to reopen we just knew we couldn't do our online fulfill our online orders from our shop it had to be a completely different operation so we have essentially split out the business so the online runs very separately now to our bricks and mortar store um, and because we have welcomed so many new customers into our um, into our business that we can't not everything that we sell online is right for the shop 
um we you know our customers yeah, they're, they're so contract. different now yeah so now we have to merchandise the store completely separately um, and we have two separate inventories now. We used to just be able to run it all out of one. And as I say, it was quite fluid. Whereas now, um, yeah, it's essentially two separate businesses. And, but all run on the same system or off separate mm, systems now as well? On separate so. systems now as well. Yeah, so that's been huge. So we've had a lot of behind the scenes work this year to make sure that our business was set for growth. So yeah. having to split out, we we got the warehouse back in um, I think May, I think it was, um, employed a whole um, staff force for the warehouse. So we're not in fulfillment like some online companies. We do we do it all ourselves. Um, so, yeah, we hired a whole team of people that work in the warehouse. We split out our systems. Our inventory is now completely separate. Um, so, yeah, there has been a lot of behind-the-scenes changes this year, which has really kind of made things feel that it's it's we have to succeed and it's it's going through those moments of growth where am i still on with you i think yeah, it's, yeah. oh you are sorry i yeah. think you've frozen but okay. um but you go through these parts in business where and it's like when i opened the shop and i was like oh dear there's no one here what am i going to do i have to plan to make this a success the same happened around august time it, you know, things grew so much that we had to make it a success. And yeah, sorry, my I think I'm breaking up a bit. No, you're, it's, it's, when you say the same happened, was that in August 2020? I can still hear you. I can still see you. Sorry, I'm, shall, I, shall I dare take you off Wi-Fi? No, I won't. <laughs> I can still see no, you. No, I'm just, I'm going to leave it. I can't see you, but I, I think I can hear you. I can hear you. I can't see you, but I can hear you. Okay. So I'm just saying, so during the pandemic, you opened, um, you launched Acorn and Pip Love for the marketplace. So talk a little bit about how it happened, a little bit behind that, and what made you decide to do Acorn and Pip Love. So <clears throat> the, the marketplace came out of... Um, I suppose a curiosity of mine. So I lo I, I love small businesses, um, and there was a real kind of moment where I, I get approached by lots of small businesses to to, to kind of show me their um, to stock them in in a corner pip, and the margin just isn't there. Essentially, the margin isn't there for us to stock them and for us both to kind of survive on that product. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so as we kind of went through the process of just looking at all the types of brands we like, we are a sustainable brand um, as much as we can be at the moment. And we are always looking at our impact and how we can improve. Um, and then just some of the other brands that, you know, I surround myself with were just doing like absolutely incredible things. Um, you know, like giving percentages of their profits to, um, you know, to certain charities, yeah. vegan products, um, you know, the, the list is endless. And um, so the idea of the marketplace is to kind of champion those brands, um, kind of leveraging the audience that we have. Um, 
it's 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 not going to be an overnight an overnight kind of success it's that you know we're going to have to work super hard to make it a success but the brands that are on there are just they're just so beautiful um i just yeah i think i think it's a, a gorgeous website um, yeah, with gorgeous beautiful bands website. your own website as well is definitely beautiful and um just one couple of questions um some that came through to me on Instagram in terms of from people that knew that um, you were coming out. And one was from a girl, Denise, and it was about, um, well, I'm going to ask you two things. One is about sourcing and where you find the brand. And so I'll ask you that first in terms of how do you, have you been working with the brands you're working with for a very long time? Where do you find, you know, your inspiration for new brands? So just a little bit about sourcing, um, so I tend every quarter I do um, a wish list um, one some brands that I have uh, that have caught my eye and that could be at trade shows in the, the olden days um, Instagram um, Pinterest magazines anything that's caught my eye so i'll always do um yeah i'll do a wish list i'll go i'll refer back to that and i'll see how that fits in with our you know what's selling for us and where those brands fit in um so there's a brand that i absolutely love at the moment but that the category that they sit in just isn't isn't a good seller for us so i have to hold on so it's quite hard sometimes when you just love a brand but the the category just doesn't doesn't perform well or isn't perform well at that that moment um, we also get um, emails from brands coming to us um, and showing us what they're doing and what their collections are like. Um, so there's loads of ways that we do um, kind of get, get brands on and there's no set way either. Um, they can, it really does range sometimes, yeah, sometimes just through Instagram, which is always a really nice way. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's more formal. Um, and then, we'll go back to trade shows obviously i do i love trade shows yeah. um so we will go back to that way of buying but the, it's there is no set way um and yeah so i am but i do i am led by what categories um are selling for us um and what what the demand is really i have to, I have to use the numbers as my guide yeah and is it very different on the i know that you said it's a very different customer are your categories very different in terms of performance on the website and on the online store sometimes okay. sometimes yes okay and um did you would you ever consider your own own brand your own range of products yeah um, it's, it's on my list every single week um but it's one of those things that's the first to be kind of shoved to the next week's list because, you know, your current list gets too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So it's always on my mind. Um, we, I have got, I've got a few things on the website that we've made. Um, these amazing like acorn sorters that we found uh, a, a guy, a wood, a wood turner, a uh, very local to us who did them and they were, they were amazing. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, we haven't managed to get them back in for one reason or another. But um, so, yeah, it's always on my list to do. And I'll just but... see if there's any, the, the question that came, one of the questions that came through, I'll just see if there's any, while I am doing this here, if there's any questions that have come through um, while we've been chatting or if anyone has any questions that they want to type in the comment box. But um, was about international brands and it was about a, a lady from, uh, called Denise asked about... Um, 
selling their brands internationally. And um, so I suppose it would be on the reverse side of that, what do you look for in brands? So if, you, if a brand wants to be stocked in, on your store, or on your website, what are the things that you expect from them or that you look for in the site? Um, so it, at the moment we're in a position where if I'm looking to take on a brand that is for the shop and for the website, it has to both have really good imagery for the website um, and also it has to, we have to be able to merchandise it well in the shop. Um, and some brands can find that quite tricky because they might have just always sold their brand, uh, their product, apologies, um, online. But actually we need it to sit really well in the store as well. Um, and then, so, but in terms of coming to us, essentially the first thing I look at is images. I always take a look at their website and their Instagram. Um, I look at their values. I look at, you know, the about us. Um, any safety testing so you do have to kind of you can do all of that pretty much within about 10 minutes and yeah. um, then you have a look at the price you know what are the prices looking like where does that price fit in um, what price bracket does that fit into on on my site and how is that performing at the moment um, but I, I think it's kind of like um, I don't know like when you say you, you, you're in a shop if something catches your eye you're kind of hooked immediately, aren't you? So it does mainly all come down to the imagery at the start um, and then other things kind of layer on top of that. Um, but for international delivery, we have a lot of international brands um, and ease of shipping is a huge factor for me when I, you know, who I reorder off of. It is definitely at the moment, especially with Brexit, it's, um, yeah, ease of shipping. It doesn't have to be speed always, but definitely how easy it's made between the two two people and so just on Brexit then how um how did you prepare for that or how did you have to is some brands that haven't been ready that you've not been able to stop or how you been able to keep the brands that, that you have already stopped if it did with the government be helpful how did you get your head around Brexit because I know a lot of brands and a lot of retailers you said put a pause on a lot of it until and kind of like right okay we're going to come back to us we don't really understand it all yet we're going to come back to us what have mm -hmm. you done or how have you managed it so buying in from european brands um i think every single one of our brands has been really really good um it's brexit has been i mean from a small business perspective brexit has been horrible it's been really really horrible mm -hmm. it's been costly it's been messy um but all the brands that we have coming in from the eu or rest of world um they've made it really easy so they've had all their customs documents and stuff in check um, and they've come through to us pretty quick the only hold up has been like at the border but we as a company we have stopped shipping out um internationally because from a small business perspective the admin that we have to do is humongous yeah. so we we're not going to be even looking at that until i think we've got it down for about june to start looking at um because the process is just so complicated and our UK market is so strong that we have been able to afford to not ship internationally um, through our website. So it's, I mean, it has been a very messy process and no, the, the, for personally, the support from the government has really not been there. It, that, uh, it, 
trying to get an answer out of any person has been really hard and I haven't heard a different story from any other small business owner really. Yeah I think a lot of people it's just like you said taking it because there's so much that people have to deal with in terms of from the COVID side of things that then Brexit on top has not been helpful whatsoever um, and then just on a staffing side of things um, when you are open in, in a normal world how many people do you have working with you what's the kind of team structure and setup that at Acorn and Pips? We have, I think we have 11 at the moment. Um, so we have, we have our warehouse manager and we have our customer service um, teams. There's two in our customer services. Then we have me who kind of oversees um, like all of the stock, the buying, the merchandising um, and like the more of the creative side and the marketing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then my husband manages the shop and the cafe um kind of from an operational perspective and then we have two amazing um shop supervisors who kind of split the role out but to be honest working in our shop is is hard work because you have to be you have to be a chef you have to be a barista you have to be a shop assistant you have to be an incredible you have to be incredible with the customers so um the people that we have managed to find to work in our shop are I'm literally never letting them go. <laughs> so, and just another question for me there about your branding and have you evolved it or rebranded over time, or is, is it quite similar or the same as what you started out with? No, I look back on my first logo and I, I do get a little bit um, embarrassed. I think this we're on our third, our third um, branding rebrand. So we had one from the early days we had one when we opened the shop which was really important for us to get done and get right and then we just had one after lockdown it's always stayed around you know the acorn but as we have definitely grown and now we we wanted our logo to kind of incorporate the the family as well as just the child because our shop is so centered around the entire family yeah. um so we have a nice a nice leaf in it now as well so yeah I think as we have grown and we have changed I mean from a market stall to like a shop with a cafe you know it's it's a real evolution of a brand not well yeah it is and it's um we we needed our logo to reflect that as well um but yeah I, I wouldn't really say rebrand three times in like five years but I have <laughs> I don't I wouldn't I would always say do it but it's it's saying do it coming from a place you know have have you done your research do you have the passion to keep it going and because it's uh, having your own business is so lovely but it's so so hard and um so saying oh just do it kind of sounds it doesn't give it it doesn't give it justice you know to how much work you have to put in but if you are thinking right have an idea that's great get it get it going because it doesn't have to be your full-time job or it doesn't you know your, your family don't have to depend on this idea yet they might do um but you know things don't always have to be 
super serious you can have an idea you can grow it grow it grow it see what it becomes um and you know you can do things in tandem you can have a job or have a part-time job and still get an idea off the ground so if it is a business and it is an idea and you've done your research i would 100 percent say do it have fun with it um and kind of see where it can take you because if you have the passion then i i think it would you know undoubtedly it can get you really far Absolutely. And thank you so much, Lucy, for your time this evening. And I love chatting to you. And um, unless you've got anything else that you want to share, we'll wrap it up. No, I can, st I can like just about hear you. So um, I, I don't have anything else to share apart from thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you very much. It's been great. And uh, I'll see you soon, hopefully. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you. Yes, we'll talk to you Bye -bye. soon. Great insight there from Lucy and thank you to Lucy for joining me today. The details for Acorn and Pip are in the show notes and you can follow them on Instagram at Acorn and Pip. And if you are ever in West Yorkshire, you should pay them a visit as they are a great example of a lifestyle store with beautiful products and brilliant visual merchandising. If you'd like to hear more from me, then follow me on Instagram at The Barring Retail Coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the Start Scale Succeed podcast by clicking the subscribe link and I'll see you next week.